You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. And there are actually no spoilers in this episode because during this hiatus, we thought we would offer some suggestions for other TV shows that people who like Orphan Black might enjoy. And I'm kind of impressed with the list we've come up with, Chris. There, it's, it's, it spans genres and time periods and I'm, I'm pleased with it. It's a pretty good list, I think. I mean, I think but so. of course, I, you and I made it based on our television preferences, so I would think it was a good list. I know. We think it's great. We've, because <laughs> we've seen them. <laughs> so I guess spoiler warning, like vague spoilers for other shows. Yes. <laughs> but, but only like plot stuff that you'd find out if you looked it up, probably. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nothing you can't find by, by looking at it on Wikipedia. So I guess we should mention maybe what, spurred us to consider doing this topic was partially because of Supergirl, right? Yes, that was sort of the impetus for doing this was Supergirl this past week, we're recording this November 20th. And so Monday night's episode of Supergirl made a reference to Orphan Black. They were talking about how Win is the character's name, was going to be having an orphan Thanksgiving. He said, literally, I'm ordering Thai food and watching Orphan Black. Aww. And then, and then Kara's like, we can watch Orphan Black together or something like that after that. So Kara seems a little sunny to watch Orphan Black, but hmm. I can, I can go there though. I'll go there because you, they've got the lighthearted stuff in there. So it's not all dour. That's actually something I really appreciate about Orphan Black is it tackles some heavy stuff, but we still have some lightness to it. Exactly. That's part of why I appreciate it so much because. I just, the stuff that's relentlessly grim and gritty, I just can't stand, quite frankly. <laughs> I can stand it for a little while, and then I'm like, okay, this, somebody needs to crack a joke. <laughs> yes, exactly. What exactly. is wrong with all these people? <laughs> so I thought we would start with maybe some, some classic show recommendations, i.e. they're over and done with many, many years ago. So why don't you get us kicked <laughs> off with a classic recommendation, Chris? She says many, many. It's like ten. Ten That's years ago. many years ago. Okay. If you say so. I'm just saying, they're not that old, but... Fine. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer beginning, Chris, though. I know. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I know. Still not an old show, though. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, okay, so... I'm gonna start off with Alias, because they, the creators have cited this as sort of an influence... It was it was one of the things that was on TV at the time they came up with this initial premise. And I see a lot of similarities. There's the ass-kicking ladies and fellas. All-inclusive ass-kickingness, I guess. Like you were just talking about with, with Orphan Black having both the serious dark moments and the lighthearted funny moments. There's a lot of that in Alias. Like the, the spy stuff is really sort of fun and vaguely James Bond-like. You know, there's wacky gadgets that do things and, you know, stuff like that. The spy stuff is all very fantasy-based, but there's family drama at the core of the show and and the sort of dysfunctional extended family. And so I'm I'm really into that kind of thing where there's the you know, heartfelt emotional stuff and the just like wacky off the wall fun stuff. I I like the combination of those things. So big alias fan. 
And then my kind of classic recommendation would be The X-Files, which I thought of mainly because of a, I think it's similar in tone. It's another conspiracy thriller type series. But I would say that it, The X-Files rarely gets to the level of goofiness that Orphan Black can. It, it does occasionally, but it's generally more on the serious side. I personally, I haven't finished watching the entire series of X-Files, so this is this is something that I should recommend to myself. I'm at the beginning of season <laughs> five, I think. But I personally, I don't really dig the alien stuff. I actually put off watching X-Files for many years because I was like, I don't care about aliens. And I don't. I still don't. These are my least favorite episodes of the X-Files. I, But they do really good Monster of the Week episodes. They do. And I do really like the dynamic between Mulder and Scully, even though Mulder, I find sometimes about appealing as a block of wood, but I do like his relationship <laughs> with Scully. I, I think Skinner's super sexy, so I'm just going to put it all, all out there on the table. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. But Gillian Anderson's amazing. I like the rapport between her and David Duchovny, when David Duchovny is more interesting than a block of wood. <laughs> How do you really feel, Stephanie? <laughs> But I mean, you're right, though, about the the tone of the show. X-Files tends to have more like goofy episodes. Exactly. As opposed to... There's not to- like goofiness sprinkled into an episode. It's like a dark episode or a goofy episode. They're not... It's not yeah. woven throughout the way it is with Orphan Black. Very rarely. Yeah. Yeah. And the next one, which actually Stephanie mentioned, but Stephanie hasn't seen, but I have seen. So I will mention Dark Angel, which I don't know how much you know about the show, Stephanie, but... Basically, the premise is there's this woman who's been genetically engineered and has broken free of the people who have genetically engineered her and raised her to be a soldier and all this sort of thing. So, you know, direct ties to cast her in that sense. But it's, you know, it's it's a fun show, mostly. I added it to the list because my partner recommended it when I mentioned we were doing this episode. And she always sort of couches it in. It's not a great show, but it's kind of an interesting show and it can be fun. So... You know, I'm not saying it's all of these shows are necessarily the the same quality as Orphan Black. Orphan Black's a really good show, but I think, you know, you can appreciate shows for different reasons. So Dark Angel, it might not be quite as well constructed as Orphan Black, but it seems like there's stuff in there that Orphan Black fans might be interested in. I think that's totally fair. Because, yeah, I mean, it depends on why you watch shows. We should we should mention that about the list in general. Like, yeah. We're we're just giving you a list of shows that we like for whatever reasons, and here's how we think that they tie into Orphan Black in one way or another that, you know, maybe you'd like them too. And uh yeah, not not necessarily the best shows, but things that we we enjoy for whatever reason. Exactly. I did really enjoy Dark Angel when it was airing. And yeah, it's not not the world's best show, but <laughs> But, you know, there there are likable characters and some crazy entertaining stuff happens. And, you know, why not? So moving into shows that have more recently aired, I'm going to recommend a British TV series called The Bletchley Circle. It's available on Netflix all both seasons. There's not that many episodes of it. I want to say the first season has three episodes and the second season has four, I believe. And this is a period piece. It's set in the 1950s featuring a group of women who were code crackers back in World War II, but now World War II is over and they've folded back into everyday life as housewives or working at coffee shops or libraries. And it's about them sort of getting interested in a particular 
murder serial killer type case that's happening in their area and using their skills that they were using back in the war to crack the case. And so I I really am interested in it because and I think it connects to orphan black fans because there's this element of identity kind of like I was this person who did these amazing things and now I'm not that person anymore and who am I really as well as like this element of secrecy they aren't allowed to tell the people that they really love including one woman is married she can't tell her husband that she was working on all this secret spy stuff back in World War II and it's it's not a perfect show but I think there's some really interesting stuff in here about women who felt useful at work during the war and then are now trying to cope with no longer being in that situation. And I think the cast is really great and I'd recommend it. I've only seen the first season, but I liked it. It's one of those things I didn't love it, mm-hmm. but I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. And it is a procedural, so if you don't care about sort of crime solvey stuff, probably not going to be for you, but I don't mind procedurals and I think there's enough other stuff going on here that even if you don't love procedurals, there could be something here for you. I'm actually going to go ahead and throw in Bomb Girls here, even though I didn't put it on the list, but just like shout out to Bomb Girls, because also a period piece focused on a group of women. It's much more of a soapy melodrama than Orphan Black is, but also featuring strong core cast of women. And it's good stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to mention Person of Interest, because I have been recommending Person of Interest to everyone I talk to. (laughs) She's a Person of Interest evangelist. I kind of am. Because I enjoyed the show when it started. It started very, very procedurally. Procedural-y. It started very much as a procedural show, but uh, has sort of morphed into something more and different. And I like it. I like the evolution of the show. And Stephanie is what, mid-season four? Or have you started season four yet? I haven't started season four yet. I'm at the very beginning of season four. Okay. I'm trying to get caught up for when it comes out with season five in whatever, 2016. (laughs) Yeah, they haven't announced a start date as far as I know, which bums me out. But person of interest, I think for orphan black folks, there's a conspiracy thriller element to it. There is ass kickiness. There's quite a bit of ass kickiness, actually, in person of interest. And I I do think that there's interesting characters here and who get very complex backstories and character arcs throughout the season series. Yes. I also feel like if you have a lot of feelings about Helena, there's a character in Person of Interest that you'd probably have a lot of feelings about because that's the case with me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of takes a while until they bring on the women. So if you're you're like, oh, where are the women? They come and they're they're awesome. And they make the show like a thousand percent better, in my opinion. Not that the show's bad with just the blokes, but I think it's it's better when they add more women. Actually, it's not just the blokes in the beginning. Carter's there from the beginning. She is, but she's she's by herself. <laughs> she kind of is. But then there's Zoe shows up periodically, more frequently yes. in the early seasons. And yes. I like Zoe a lot. So And then I like that moment where it's like Zoe and Carter and Shaw out at the club and like we're awesome, attractive ladies. <laughs> and they've got the great scene before they go to the club. Yes. But yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> And something I really like about Carter's character is like she's a mother, 
and she's a working mother and she's a single mother. But I like that the conflict with her isn't like she's a terrible mother because she's a single working mother. Like her relationship with her son is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like oftentimes when you have single working mothers, it's like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible mother. I never spend enough time with my children and my children hate me. And they don't do that with her. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I think the biggest struggles that they face with Carter is that she – they all come from the fact that she is such a good human being. <laughs> they cause trouble with the bad guys, so. Yep. Because she's too good. <laughs> but Person of Interest is super interesting. It deals with some really relevant topics, especially if you live in the United States. And mm-hmm. and especially what's been going on recently, there's a lot of relative stuff re- – relevant, not relative, relevant stuff going on in Person of Interest. Totally. I also really like Killjoys, which you probably know if you listen to our other podcasts. I keep talking about Killjoys, but Killjoys is also connected to Orphan Black directly because Temple Street Productions, who produces Orphan Black, also produces Killjoys. So it's super pretty. You can definitely see a common visual style between the two shows, I would say. A little bit, yeah. A similar visual style. And Trevor Yule, who does the music for... Orphan Black also does the music in the pilot episode, and I think a little bit of the second episode of Killjoys. So there's good music, too. And I think for Dutch, there's sort of similar themes about autonomy and who in controlling one's own actions as well as one's own body, which overlaps with Orphan Black. And not just Dutch, too. Yeah. Mm, fair. Yeah. And, and with other characters. Good point. I always think about Dutch first. I can't help it. She's just so attractive. <laughs> also, attractive, badass lady. <laughs> and everybody. Everybody's badass and attractive on that it's show. True. And who doesn't like that? So It's true. There's a badass monk even who's super attractive. <laughs> I might call him Hunky Monk. <laughs> when she says might, she means does. <laughs> and then you watched Jessica Jones last night. The first episode. Sorry. It just dropped on on netflix like last night at midnight at actually midnight, it was midnight pacific time so it was 2 a.m our time yeah <laughs> but i was a crazy and, person it was like i have to watch it as soon as it comes out so i did and i'm actually recording this i i paused watching this to come record this so i'm mid episode three i think and the first two episodes at least are really really good and i think they would be appealing to orphan black fans because you got sort of a i don't know how to put this she's a little bit of a damaged character she's a little bit like sarah at the beginning of of orphan black that kind of anti-hero type thing and uh it's really good and interesting and compelling and I can never be in a room that's got a purple light in it ever again, probably. Already. Two episodes in. And I'd read a review the other day that was actually talking about how the series owes more to, and then listed, I think, Tony Soprano and and Orphan Black. And so I don't know that the show was necessarily influenced by Orphan Black directly, but it is in a similar vein, so... It seemed like I, I could see the similarity to at least sort of Sarah season one stuff in the in the promo trailer type thing that I saw. Yeah. And then I'm going to jump in and recommend another Netflix show called Sense8, which is flawed, but very pretty and interesting and intricate. It's done by the Wachowskis as well as, oh shoot, I forget his name. He has three names and he did Babylon 5. J. Michael Straczynski. There we go. 
And Sense8 is... I think it, I think it has a lot in common with Orphan Black. In fact, they're like I compared the the moments in Orphan in uh, excuse me in Sense Eight where we have like all of these characters who are able to transport each other transport into other people's minds. I compare like the scenes where we see like different characters converge into one scene as kind of similar to the like multiple clone scenes in Orphan Black. And again, there's there's a lot of similar themes of like identity. In, in Sense8, uh, I, I will warn you, there's lots of sex and there's a penis in Sense8, so if you are sensitive <laughs> to such things, there's a warning about that. As in a naked penis, I'm being... Be, 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 <laughs> nudity, Not she's just, talking about nudity. Yes, and specifically male nudity, which you don't see in pretty much any TV show ever. It, well, it's getting more common, I guess, but... It's it's still pretty not rare. outside of premium cable. Yeah, yeah, not outside of premium cable. But I think there's a lot to like in Sense8. It's slow to get going. I kind of don't care about the overarching plot, but I think the characters are really interesting and their relationships I find very compelling. It's interesting. I think watching Sense8, I liked the middle of the season the best, which almost never happens. <laughs> yeah, me too. You can almost skip the first episode and just kind of like dive into episode two and you don't have to. I mean, I, I'm a completist, so I tend to watch every episode. But if the first episode is going kind of slow for you, feel free to jump ahead. You, and actually, I think you enjoy the first episode more on a rewatch than you do on first watch. I did find the opening scene really interesting and compelling and yes. and such, though, so... Yeah, watch the first scene of episode one, and then feel free to jump ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I should also mention we got a listener recommendation for Sense8 from Bad Asperger, I guess? Yes. Saying Sense8 because conspiracies and diversity and nudity. These are all true. (laughs) That is, yes, very true. And I'm going to mention Agent Carter because Agent Carter is awesome. I haven't watched it yet. It still isn't on Netflix, I don't think. When's it going to show up on Netflix? I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm waiting, Agent Carter. It might still be on ABC's website. I haven't checked. Okay. So why are you recommending Agent Carter to orphan black people? I will mention another listener recommendation because I feel like this sums it up. Francie recommends it. Recommends Agent Carter, Jessica Jones, iZombie, and Person of Interest because of complex female characters, and that's pretty true. I don't know that I have necessarily a huge connection to Orphan Black for Agent Carter. You know, there's the whole conspiracy stuff, elements elements of conspiracy, but mostly it is the the complex female characters. That's fair. And now switching... I don't know, genres, palettes, tones, I guess, completely. I'm going to (laughs) recommend Jane the Virgin, which has a very wacky premise of a young woman who is accidentally, artificially inseminated at a, what should have been a pap smear, but is is actually a virgin and she ends up pregnant. And it's, it's very much done in a telenovela style, but with a very knowing way. They know that it's cheesy and over the top, and they point out like, oh, this is a telenovela storytelling trope. And I'm recommending it for orphan black people, even though the, the tone is very, very different, and it's bright and happy and kind of a soapy thing, because it has, it has wonderful complex female characters. There's great intergenerational relationships between women. There's a lot of emphasis on motherhood and and different, you know, sort of how motherhood can look and be different for different people. And there's also 
I think it's it's doing something that Orphan Black does in that we get to see people on TV who aren't often shown on TV. You know, this is a family of 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 Latino characters and they talk about things like what it's like to be an undocumented immigrant in the United States and what it's like to have an immigrant family. And I think it's just a wonderful, wonderful show. It is. It's so, so good. I've been watching it since it started on the CW. And yeah, all the reasons you listed, all the reasons you listed. And they do tackle a lot of things that you don't often see on TV. Mm -hmm. And their baby looks like an actual realistic baby. <laughs> like a teeny tiny baby. They And they don't fall into these really silly pregnancy and childbirth tropes, which I appreciate. And yeah, I feel like Jane the Virgin is just... I, uh, the best version of many things uh, on television and the i think the lead is fantastic and winning and charming as is her father rogelio de la vega <laughs> i love him he's hilarious he's kind of the allison character i guess of the show. <laughs> uh, i wonder how he feels about yoga i feel like rogelio would do yoga <laughs> probably but yeah, I, Gina Rodriguez is amazing. I love her. And another thing that I find similar between Jane the Virgin and Orphan Black, they sort of mix in a lot of different tones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, there's the the sort of genre bending quality to it. Because yeah, it's hard to quantify Jane the Virgin when I'm trying to explain to somebody <laughs> what the show is. Oh, we should also say that there are ladies making out with ladies. And Jane the Virgin as well. And it's fairly racy for a show that airs on the CW, I have to say. It is. That's true. That's true. Also, shirtless dudes with stubble mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. looking pretty good. Yeah. Something for everybody. Really, really good looking guy on this show. Oh, he's really good looking. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a fair number of them, actually. <laughs> a fair number of uh, good looking people on that it's show. It's true. It's true. I like how one of our similarities, like one of our connections to Orphan Black is like, it's an attractive cast. <laughs> <laughs> Shallowness. Shallowness is the connection. We also got a recommendation from Pixel51, who recommended Life on Mars and Caprica, because both have main characters with dual identities with which they must come to terms, and both approach Orphan Black's level of complexity. I actually have not seen either of those. I saw some of the U.S. version of Life on Mars, but I'm going to assume that this is in reference to the British one, because I heard the British one was better. I.e. the good version. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I haven't seen them either, so I, I can neither confirm nor deny from, from my own perspective. This is Chris in the editing room, just to add a couple of things, because I finished watching Jessica Jones, and I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's a lot of dark, heavy content. So it's not it's not a show that's for everybody. But if that's your th kind of thing and it doesn't bother you, then I, I highly recommend it. It's very, very well done. I feel like a lot of the character development and relationships are very deliberate. They're very deliberately done in the series. And I really appreciate that kind of thing. So so yeah, by the end of the season, I was pretty much kind of in love with a lot of the stuff there. And I do see a lot of thematic similarities between that show and Orphan Black. Also, it occurred to me pretty much right after we finished recording that I didn't mention, and I should have, the series Strange Empire. 
It's a Canadian show. It aired on, I think it was CBC. There's only one season. They canceled it after the one season. And I and many others are very upset about this. It's a really good show. Again, it's pretty dark, but I think it would appeal to Orphan Black fans. It's it's a Western, but it's a Western where the main character is a Métis woman. And, you know, you just kind of don't get that kind of thing. There are a lot of characters that are just not seen on television, so or, or not seen often on television, I should say. It's very interesting. I think it's pretty well made. Uh, the The cinematography is beautiful. So uh, it's on Netflix, I think, most places. I know it's on Netflix in Canada and the US. Otherwise, you'll you'll have to check for yourself. I, I don't know, but it's worth seeking out. Also, I asked my cousin Heather if she had any suggestions, and she sent me this email. Per Chris's influence, here are a few shows that might be recommendations for folks wanting some lighter viewing between seasons of Orphan Black. For themes of dysfunctional family units that have to stick together in the face of major challenges, including several storylines where DNA and family blood is questioned, oh, and a few pairs of twins, more or less, check out Arrested Development. Seasons 1 through 3 are good, and maybe season 4 to quench any Arrested Development hangovers. A witty show with a strong female lead who deals with the fallout of a very dark experience is The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. The show is mostly a comedy, but it gives really heartfelt looks at a young woman's changing identity, her evolving understanding of the world around her, definitions of family and community, and the traps of underestimating people. For a story with a young woman protagonist who literally begins to see life around her where she did not before, Wonderfalls. Some suspended disbelief is necessary, but totally worth it. This show also focuses on a young woman's self-discovery and identity, as well as how her actions or non-actions affect people around her. The episodes include strong themes of community, family, identity, self-discovery, and some romantic daydreaming. And I have to add, both Stephanie and I love Wonderfalls. I think we actually both like all of these shows, but there's a special place in my heart for Wonderfalls. So thanks for that, Heather. Thank you to folks who sent in recommendations for television shows. I hope you give one or some of these a chance. <clears throat> Killjoy's <clears throat> person of interest. They could use the viewers. <laughs> I guess Agent Carter, too. Yeah, all, all the stuff. Just. Uh... <laughs> but if you'd like to make recommendations, we'd love to hear them. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes over at TatianaIsEveryone.com slash 91. You can send us an email to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can also call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. We are on Twitter as TIE Podcast, and we are also on Facebook. Tatiana is Everyone is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. You can find our other podcasts about Lost Girl and Killjoys. Killjoys. <laughs> Killjoys. <laughs> And some other things over at AskGenreTV.com. And in this episode, all of the attractive people were played by Tatiana Maslati. Thanks for listening. I was going to recommend that. <laughs> or something to the effect of like, and the attractiveness level was played by Tatiana Maslati.